Hello, you're listening to the Purdue Agricultural Economics Podcast. My name is Ken Foster. I'm a professor of agricultural economics and for a short time the interim head of the Department of Food Science at Purdue. And I have here uh, with me my co-host, Dane Erickson. Dane's a junior at Purdue and was recently uh, tapped to be a part of the mortar board. So, Dane, congratulations and welcome to the Purdue Ag Econ Podcast. Thank you, Dr. Foster. It's great to be here. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about what it's like to be a virtual student during the coronavirus event at Purdue. Well, I wish I could speak more um, to the average Purdue student. I've had a bit of an odd experience myself. I was actually studying abroad in Mexico and was called home, and I'm continuing with my online classes from Mexico. But um, it's a lot of Zoom meetings. It's uh, a lot of uh, online work but it's going well so far. Yeah, what do you hear from your fellow classmates back here taking their virtual classes at Purdue? Is everything going smoothly for them? Well, for the most part, it seems like it's been going smoothly, um, but uh, it's a sure thing that people would rather be in class. So, uh, hey, folks out there listening to us, just so you know, we are maintaining social distance here at Purdue. So, uh, so Dane and I are not together, so you may have uh, some weird audio here because we're recording this um, using Zoom. And, and we've got the pleasure today to have with us as our guest, Dr. Larry DeBoer from the Department of Agricultural Economics. And many of you will know Dr. DeBoer uh, as an expert in macroeconomics and fiscal policy. So we've asked him to come here today and talk to us a little bit about the economic impacts of the coronavirus. And I'm sure, Larry, you've probably been doing this a lot lately. Uh, I have, that's right. This is a uh, fourth, I think. <laughs> in various uh, platforms and venues, but all from my uh, home office. Well, thanks for being here. And um, Dane, I don't know if you have any questions for Dr. DeBoer to kick it off. First of all, thank you, Dr. DeBoer, for being with us today. Um, it's great for a Purdue student to hear, um, to hear your take on what's happening to the economy, as you've taught me and so many other Purdue students macroeconomics. So I'd first like to understand um, this stimulus package that was recently passed. Um, it seems there's over two trillion in loans, bailouts, and checks to the American people. What can you tell us about the provisions of this package and what that'll mean for the economy? Well, uh, you know, I kind of like uh, calling it a, a relief bill, uh, maybe more than a stimulus bill. Uh, this is uh, this recession we're having is kind of a, a a, a piece of public policy. We've said, hey, we've got to shut down the economy. Uh, you know, so it's no surprise that the unemployment rate is going to go up and GDP is going to go down. We've said, hey, everybody go home. Uh, but while people are home, uh, we've got to make sure to keep them whole because once we've got the virus under control, uh, we need to recover. And it'd be easier to recover if businesses don't go bankrupt and uh, uh, the financial system doesn't freeze up and if people haven't depleted their savings. Uh, you know, in that case, maybe we can get back to where we were, which was in a pretty good place uh, quicker. Uh, so I, that's how I see uh, this, uh, this $2 trillion, and it's really a down payment. I'm sure there's going to have to be more. Uh, so what are we going to do? We're going to give uh, $1,200 to every taxpayer and Social Security recipient. Uh, and you know why would we do that? Well, what we want is to make sure that they can uh, pay their rent and uh, buy uh, necessities while we've told them to stay home and not go to work. Uh, 
so that uh, when the virus is under control, uh, their savings will still be intact and they won't be in debt and they can you know, release that pent up demand that we're all gonna have when the whole thing is over. Uh, businesses, we want them to be able to continue with their payrolls and so we'll give them loans and uh, even grants. Uh, we want them to be able to pay interest on their loans and uh, pay their suppliers and so forth, even though their sales are either down or non-existent. Uh, and uh, part of the uh, uh, money is uh, going to back up the Federal Reserve so they can be even more aggressive uh, in supporting the uh, financial system with uh, loans to uh, really all sorts of uh, different uh, sectors of our economy, but especially to uh, banks and other lenders. So, Dr. DeBoer, speaking of uh, comparing other countries and our uh, reactions to this, India has just went on lockdown, and uh, Al Jazeera, I believe, quoted one Indian citizen saying, um, we'll starve before we die of the coronavirus. Um, it's certainly true that um, many Americans face similar fears of keeping food on the table while um, quarantined at home. Can Americans uh, afford to be quarantined for this long? A lot of them can't. Uh, I haven't got the number in my head, but I believe the Federal Reserve uh, does, well, I know the Federal Reserve does a survey every three years on uh, the finances uh, of Americans and discovered that some very large percentage, 40% uh, sticks in my head, but I'm not sure if that's the right number, but some very large percentage of uh, American families uh, couldn't handle an unexpected $400 expense. Um, and this is going to be a lot more than $400. Uh, so those $1,200 checks from the federal government can't get there soon enough. And you know, they're, they're talking about middle of April, third week of April or something like that. Um, you know, let's hope that folks uh, without jobs, without income, um, with one hopes unemployment insurance, uh, and the extra money that they're going to pay out for that. Uh, let's hope that uh, uh, that gets in people's pockets real soon because there are a very large number of Americans without uh, a uh, nest egg, without a, a savings account to back them up. And to speak of the severity of this uh, abrupt economic downturn, I recently saw in Politico that 6.6 um, .6 million Americans filed for unemployment last week. Um, how does that stand in relation to the, the Great Recession that we saw just years ago? Um, okay, so uh, three weeks ago, about 220,000 people applied for unemployment insurance across the country. And that's the number you know, that, that we've seen uh, for several years, numbers like that. And then the next week, uh, 280,000. So a jump of 60,000, that's pretty significant historically to see uh, that much increase. Had that happened just uh, organically without this public policy, we would have said, uh-oh, what's going on? And then the next week, it went up from 280,000 to 3.3 million. Uh, and that dwarfed by about tenfold anything that had ever happened before. And it permanently messed up the uh, vertical axis on that graph, by the way. <laughs> Every other fluctuation in unemployment insurance now looks like a little bump in the road compared to the 3.3 million. And then this morning, 6.6 .6 million. So over the last two weeks, 10 million people have applied for unemployment insurance. And it's, it's astounding. It, you, know, it, it, you know, it's astounding, but it isn't astounding. We said, folks, go home. <laughs> so we would expect 
10 million people at least to be unemployed. And that's what we're seeing. But still, actually seeing the number and seeing the graph, and you should, you know, if you haven't seen the graph, you ought to go find the graph. Uh, if, if they're all over the place. Um, uh, it's just, it's, it's like nothing we've ever seen. As a result of uh, this pandemic, uh, Dr. DeBoer, uh, normal demand for consumer goods that we see in grocery stores and just in general um, have changed, uh, to say the least. So shelves are empty of some things, whereas other things aren't selling. I recently saw uh, demand for orange juice is one of those goods that's gone through the roof. How is this change in consumer demand impacting agricultural markets? But I can talk about um, uh, you know the, the, the demand that's going on. You know why is it that uh, shelves are empty and it's panic buying? And I, I hark back to an episode in the United States history uh, that I use in my class, so, so you may uh, uh, remember this. Uh, back in 1973, when there were uh, a lot of shortages, uh, because there were price controls back then, and the oil prices was going on and so forth, so there were pop-up shortages here and there. And Johnny Carson, the uh, then host of The Tonight Show, when there were only three channels and everybody watched Johnny Carson, uh, made a joke about a toilet paper shortage. And there wasn't uh, a, an interruption of supply. Uh, everything was fine as far as production. But the next day, there was a toilet paper shortage because everybody had heard it the night before and they ran out and they stripped the shelves of, of toilet paper. And that's what we've had here, right? You know, let's face it, the use of toilet paper has not increased. <laughs> right? And so it's just panic buying. People worried that if they're shut down in their houses, uh, they're not going to be able to go shopping and they don't want to run out. And then the sight of empty shelves when they wanted to buy it means that the next time it shows up, the shelves are stripped again. So eventually, with the toilet paper at any rate, uh, all of your hall closets will be stuffed full of this stuff, and you figure you've got enough for a month, and uh, the demand will slack off lower than usual, and production will catch up. So I think that's true of toilet paper. For other things, uh, I think of hand sanitizer. Uh, I, I have no doubt that hand sanitizer use has increased many-fold. Uh, since uh, as the uh, uh, virus uh, crisis has begun. And so, yeah, that one, that shortage may be uh, a shortfall of supply, uh, quantity supplied below the, uh, the quantity demanded. Uh, so we're ramping up production of hand sanitizer. Uh, the other uh, food commodities, I think, is, is uh, mostly people stocking up, worried about uh, uh, that, uh, that they won't be able to go out shopping. Uh, the people uh, in our department who actually know about agriculture assure me that the food supply is secure, and so we're we're not going to go hungry. Yeah, th I think a couple of things around the the agricultural supply chains that are important to keep in mind. Um, there are tremendous stocks of of these commodities being held by farmers or by food processors. So when we think of orange juice. Um, you know, we think of grabbing an orange and squeezing the juice out of it. But most of the orange juice we drink is from uh, concentrate that's been produced in the past and it's sitting in, um, you know, aseptic uh, storage facilities waiting for us to come and buy it. So, um, you know, as long as we have a normal year of agricultural production, uh, I don't think we're at any greater risk of running out of food today than we would be in a normal circumstance. I do think that People need to keep in mind uh, the tremendous 
increase in food waste that may be going on because of some of our purchase decisions. That we're buying things that are perishable um, in, in maybe a little bit of an irrational panic and then we don't end up using them. So, um, so you know, be cautious. My grandmother used to say your, your, your mouth is bigger than your stomach and uh, maybe, maybe, we need to, uh, maybe we need to just step back a little bit and just buy what we need um, and reduce that loss. But uh, anyway, Larry, can we end on a positive note? Can you tell us something, you know, bright on the horizon that, um, that you know, maybe the demand for pajamas is going to go up because everybody's working <laughs> from home? I don't know. What, do you, what, what good news can we, can we end on? Well, let's see. Uh, we were, I was, I've been speculating that Zoom is going to become the sixth <laughs> big tech company. I'm sure they're doing just great. They're, they're becoming a verb, so, uh, so those folks are probably pretty excited about what's going on here. Um, you know, what are the, I think it's, what's the prospects of a V-shaped uh, recession here? This is a short, sharp downturn as a matter of public policy to cure the disease where we're doing this. Um, and the hope is that uh, once we've got the virus under control, we'll bounce right back. Pent up demand is the phrase I'm, I'm uh, going to rely on here. You know, when, when it's all over and we're all released from captivity, uh, boy, we're going to have a party. <laughs> uh, the problem is that uh, we're not simply going to re- we can't have a, a, you know VV day for victory over the virus like sure. we have VJ day for victory over Japan or Europe. It's not going to happen suddenly. It's going to happen gradually, and so we'll probably ramp back up. Uh, but the the point of all the policy, I think, is to keep everybody whole. And let's face it, the policy has been more aggressive than any fiscal and monetary policy in American history. The Fed, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it, it, they, they were very aggressive during the Great Recession, but it took them a few months to figure out what to do. This time. They, they cut their uh, federal funds rate to zero in a matter of two weeks. That's never happened before. Uh, and the, the trillions of dollars they're making available in loans, by the way, not a bailout, in loans that will be paid back by the financial system. Um, you know, if, if it can be done, they are doing it. $2 trillion, that's 9% of GDP, uh, all in one shot. Uh, and, uh, and I'm fairly certain there will be more to come uh, one way or another. And so, you know, you're hearing the uh, the, the, the D word, uh, depression, and uh, perhaps that uh, uh, implies to people that the 2020s are going to be like the 1930s. Uh, but I think most economists think that the 1930s lasted as long as they did. Well, they lasted 10 years, but the depression in the 30s lasted as long as it did because policy was so awful in the first uh, few years. The Fed did not bail out the financial system, was not a lender of last resort, let the money supply fall, let deflation happen. Uh, Herbert Hoover raised taxes and cut spending. Um, and we're not going to do that this time by any means. Uh, and that tells me uh, this, it's, this will be the sharpest by far downturn uh, in American history. Uh, but there, if it can be done, I think the policies are in place to make it a sharp recovery as well. And so that's what we're looking for. And uh, we'll see. All right. Well, we're going to keep our, our focus on the bright side and, uh, and hope for good things. Larry, thanks so much for uh, being with us this morning. And um, Dane, thanks for stepping in with all, all those great questions. And good luck with the rest of the semester. And this has been the Purdue Agricultural Economics Podcast. 
Um, you can tune in to us at uh, Podbean. You can download the podcast from iTunes. And um, everybody have a safe uh, and healthy recovery.